0: Dear congregation, all of life is a school. Children, you may not be thinking about school just now because you are having summer vacation. But in a few weeks, your parents will be getting you ready for school and there you will go, perhaps on a bus or your parents will drive you to to school to learn. And we older ones, we need to keep learning with you. And congregation, all of life is a school. What are you learning? How well are you learning what the Lord would have you to know? We wish to see in our text passage this morning that the Lord has many things to teach even in difficult days, in days of famine. Thankfully, I I trust that All of us have bread on the table, and if not, I'm sure your deacons uh, are are there to help you. But as we look about us, we do see many things that are worrisome, Uh, pictures of empty shelves at stores, rising prices, global uh, wars that bring scarcity. All these things threaten us, who generally speaking have much to be thankful for. But beyond economic scarcity, there's also spiritual famine. Amos chapter 8 speaks about days in which there will be a famine of the word of God, where the truth of God's word is not widely known or widely accessible. May we not have days like that. May we pray against days of that. Well, certainly there are many in the grip of such a famine today all around us. There can be providential circumstances, too, that give leanness in our minds and souls. And all these things make us able to relate to the situation that lies before us in the text. 1 Kings 17, verses 5 through 24. And let me read... Just simply here, though, we'll deal with the whole thing, uh, the last verse of our chapter, the climax, if you will, of the whole chapter, verse 24, and the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Thus far the words of our text. Our theme looking to the Lord is simply lessons learned in days of famine. And we'll see five lessons as we go along and I'll give them to you as we go along. Lessons learned in days of famine. And the first lesson that we hope to see is that God proves, God proves we'll see that God tests his children in order that they would learn to depend on him and on him alone more and more. Well, congregation, we have read this wonderful account of Elijah and his ministry. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. Because of the people's sin, Elijah had been commissioned by God to speak to King Ahab that wicked king who had led the people into Baal worship and into idolatry. He had marched, young people and children, into the court of Ahab one day. And he had come from the court of the Most High with a message for this king. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. What a challenging, what a convicting word to Ahab from the king of kings and the lord of lords. And Elijah did not stay behind to answer questions or give any further explanation. He turned around and left the court of the earthly king because he did God's bidding. He stood before God. That's what a prophet was to do, to stand before God, to be in the presence of Almighty God, to hear God's voice and to do God's will. And when that conflicted with anything else, whether it was the word of a king, even the mightiest king on the face of the earth, it mattered not. He stood before God. And so he turned in obedience to the Lord's word, and the Lord provided for him. Children, you know that he went to this brook, Cherith, off of the Jordan, a desolate place in many ways, and there God's creation fed the prophet. Ravens, who are normally selfish and greedy birds, keeping everything for themselves, They greeted him every day with food in the morning and they came back in the evening as well with God-appointed food. And the brook by which he encamped provided water. And so every day Elijah could receive out of the hand of the Lord, just like you can receive out of the hand of the Lord mercies and blessings. His faithfulness is so great. His mercies are new every morning. Did you think of that this morning when you received something from the Lord's hand last night, later today? Will you think of it? The Lord is providing out of His almighty, all-wise, His gracious hand to sinners like us. And it could be that Elijah, just like we uh, do, perhaps over time took these blessings for granted. He woke up in the morning and he knew the ravens would come. The brook would be there. But there was another trial awaiting Elijah. The brook got smaller and thinner until there were only a few murky pools left from which he could collect a little drinking water. And then one day this water also would be gone. The brook would simply be one dry channel of baked mud. The Lord had said to him, thou shalt drink from the brook. Was the Lord keeping his promise? Was the Lord remembering his own word? Well, the Lord had not told Elijah how long he would drink from the brook. But only that he would drink from the brook. But the Lord's care over Elijah would not cease because the one who gave the brook would be able to give provisions by other means as well. In congregation, that is a lesson for us as well. We sometimes look to certain things, certain conditions to provide us our daily bread, our daily food, our daily provisions. But the God who is provided through those means, he may choose to provide through different means as well. You've heard the expression that when God shuts one door, he opens a window. And this is true in this particular case as well. The word of the Lord came to Elijah again verse 8, and this time the Lord would provide to Elijah in a more mysterious, humanly far-fetched way, that is through Zarephath. Now Zarephath, young people and children, was a city north of Israel, it was actually in the territory of Sidon, and Sidon was the region that Queen Jezebel was from over which her father reigned. So in essence, he's being told here to leave Israel, to leave the land of promise, and to go to enemy territory. And not only that, but what a perplexing word of the Lord this was. A widow woman would care for him there. So he'd go to a region that was certainly hostile towards Israel and to the worship of God, and a widow woman. Now widows then would have been among the poorest of the poor. Humanly speaking, or just in an earthly way, it would be more understandable to receive bread from ravens than during famine, days of famine, to receive care and food from a widow woman. And yet, this is God's way. And this was God's call. And yet, what a test it was. Now, the word Seraphath actually means oven of refining. And it's probably, young people, because there were furnaces there, because there was iron and other different kinds of metals that that were produced there. And so Zarephath probably had furnaces to, to process ore, iron ore. But the Lord is testing Elijah's faith in all of these things. He's a man of God, yes. He believed God's word. But God tests his own work. And he tests his own word and our faith in his word. Elijah, remember, was a man of like passions as we are. I wonder what you and I do when God puts us in His test, in His furnace of testing. One of the things young people and children you'll have when you go back to school is tests. You might not have them every day, usually not, but those are times in which the teacher is trying to figure out whether you've learned the lessons that he or she has been teaching you. And so too in God's providence, he sends us tests, testing circumstances, in which we must hear his word and take his word back to him and trust what he says even if everything seems contrary to his word. Is he worthy of being trusted, no matter what seems to be the case? Well, that first of all, congregation. Lessons during days of famine, God proves. But secondly, God promises God promises. And God gives his promise that the believer might lean on it. God gives his promise that the believer might lean on it. Well, Elijah, having heard this new word, this fresh word of the Lord, he travels about a 100 miles by foot, northwards, outside of Israel. And as he goes this journey of a hundred miles, he sees the famine, all the many shades of brown all over the fertile, otherwise fertile countryside. Just like we sang, God's judgments are over the earth. And even princes can taste what when God withholds his blessing. When God punishes, His judgments are strong to destroy. Do we have eyes to see the judgments around us as well? Those things that are coming over our world, wars and rumors of war, plagues, scarcity, famine. Do we take them in? Or do we live in a bubble in which, well, as long as I have enough, all is well. Elijah certainly was, was a man who, who looked for what God was doing and took it all in. And it weighed on him, as we can read in later chapters, when he cries to the Lord for rain. He realizes that sin brings death. And sin, sin brings misery. He sees these things in evidence just like we see them today. But then finally, shielded by the Lord's providence and sustained by the Lord, he reaches Zarephath. And in verse 10, we read something very interesting. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. Behold, a widow woman. Elijah didn't need to seek high and low for this widow woman that the Lord had spoken to him about, no, there she was at the very gate of the city. The Lord had kept his word. Whatever questions may, be, may have been in Elijah's mind about all that would happen or could happen, here's a token for Elijah that the Lord keeps his word. Behold, a widow woman. Have you ever been in a situation in which you were lonely perhaps, desolate, in great difficulty, and all of a sudden there, behold, was some or other providence. A friend was at your door. Or someone reached out and called you, or a letter came in the mail. Or unemployed with very little that all of a sudden something dropped in your lap. Behold, a widow woman. You see, the Lord is still testing Elijah because when Elijah sees this widow woman, he sees her poverty. He sees her suffering. And yet, as the Lord with one hand provides for Elijah On the other hand, he is still proving her. And isn't that the life of God's people as well? The Lord mixes. As Rutherford says, the white and the black in life's checkerboard, exactly in proportion to what he designs so that we would look to him and especially look to his promise. Elijah asked this woman for some water and some bread and when he speaks of the bread, she says, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruse. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. In other words, she's preparing for her last meal and her son's last meal. Imagine that. That morning she had looked into the barrel of meal that had sustained her up till now and she dug in it and all that she could come up with was one little handful of meal, of flour. That's all that she had. She'd have to sit across from her son and say, Son, we have nothing left. This is it. Death was staring her in the face, don't you think? And not only that, but this widow woman does not know about the Lord, at least personally. She does have enough knowledge to say to Elijah, as the Lord thy God liveth. So she must have heard about the God of Israel. She must have recognized Elijah as as an Israelite. Uh, Maybe even from, from his dress, the camel's hair. She knew and had some understanding that he was a prophet. But she was outside of all of these things. As the Lord thy God liveth. Some people even think that she had some understanding about how the famine had come from the God of Israel. Was a punishment for Israel's sin. But whatever it was, she stood outside of all this in terms of knowing God as her God, as the Lord thy God liveth. You see, congregation, all of us by nature left to ourselves. We do not know God, we do not have God as our God. And We are, like Ephesians says, we are, by nature, without God. Imagine that. Without God. Without hope. No wonder. To be without God is to be without hope in this world. And here's a hopeless woman of herself. Without God, without hope. All she can say is, is the Lord thy God liveth. But here she is in all her lostness, all her hopelessness. And what does she hear? Fear not. Fear not. Elijah tells this woman not to be afraid of. And he attaches to that. This word, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Do you notice how Elijah, who has received a promise of the Lord, he opens up this promise to this woman and he says, fear not. For the God who is taking care of me, who's providing for me, he will also take care of you. Fear not. He promises, not just to Elijah, but through Elijah to this woman. The word of the Lord goes forth to this Gentile region to a very surprising person, a widow woman who has nothing to offer in a certain sense uh, to, to the Lord, bereft of the benefits and mercies that were upon Israel, and bereft here even of hope. Her last words before Elijah spoke to her were, and die. We will eat our last meal and die. And Elijah says, fear not. Well, congregation, do you see in this a picture of what God's grace is and what God's grace does when it enters into our lives? There we are in all our death, with all our hopelessness, with all our being outside everything. The Lord comes and his word is so rich, so full, so free, so surprising, so miraculous. Fear not. How can it be? The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Do you hear, congregation, behind this, the rich heart of a providing God whose heart is so full of mercy that he provides not just physical blessings as he did here in the text, but he's so eager, so earnest even in providing spiritual blessings. Wasn't there one who came in the fullness of time and who said even to people hungry, thirsty for physical food, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Or to that other woman, not a widow woman per se, but that Samaritan woman, the Lord hath said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, I would have given thee. Thou wouldst asked of me and I would have given thee fountains of living water. That is our God. That is the God of the Scriptures whose heart is so full, so brimful, so overflowing with mercy and love for hell-deserving and death-facing sinners. Do you know something of that? Has the wonder of that ever taken hold of you In your life. You think to yourself maybe even. This is too good to be true. How can this be? Well look at it. A widow woman. The Lord from on high. From heaven. He views the inhabitants of the earth. And he has regard. For this woman who has nothing. Who deserves nothing. Yet the Lord looks on her. in Tender compassion. The word must reach her. And his promise, which stands secure, will reach her, and which will do her good. Days of famine, God proves, God promises. But thirdly, God prescribes. God prescribes. And here we, we stay with this widow woman for a while because as the Lord through Elijah, preach to her words of hope, words of life, words of mercy. The Lord does call her, prescribe to her a certain way. And so it is always when the Lord comes to us. He comes, yes, indeed, with His Gospel. He comes with his promise. He comes with his word which is faithful and true. But connected to this promise is a call. A call to this heathen widow woman. Will she obey? Will she believe this promise? Will she become an heir of the promise through true faith? Surely this woman is besieged by many questions, don't you think? Many doubts, many fears. You would be, wouldn't you? You are, perhaps even in this moment, besieged by all of these things. And yet we don't hear this woman voicing them. Instead, upon the faithful preaching of Elijah, this woman turns her feet homeward, takes the last of her flower, empties the very last drop of the cruse of oil and makes a cake. And there gives this cake to the servant of the Lord. Reminds of that widow in the New Testament whom the Lord Jesus was watching in the temple who took her two mites, two pennies, And the Lord Jesus, who knows everything, who knew everything, he discerned, he said, she gave all that she possessed. So do this widow woman. And there in congregation, we see already the work of grace in this widow woman's heart, which is working faith and in faith, obedience, and submission to the Lord's call. That is what we need. In our catechism, in the treatment of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about the petition give us this day our daily bread. And in that connection, it it says that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring obey thy will, which is only good. It connects their doing God's will with the provisions that the Lord is so pleased to give us. And when you look at this widow woman, you see how exactly that's what the work of grace does in her heart and life. She renounces her own will. Her will was to make a cake for her and her son. That was her own will. And given the circumstances, there was nothing wrong with that per se. But as soon as the Lord said to her through Elijah, do this for me first, for my servant first, this woman renounces her own will. And she obeys the Lord's will which alone is good. Congregation, you are privileged to receive many overtures of mercy from the Most High God. The gospel is preached here in your hearing from week to week. The good news of eternal life through Jesus Christ for sinners comes to you week by week. But I ask you, is there this heart that's been brought into submission to renounce your own will and to submit wholly and solely to His will? I'm not asking whether you tremble at that, whether that is difficult for you, whether you have many fears or doubts in the process as you hear God's word, his call to repent of your sins, to confess them, to flee from them, to seek God and live, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. When you hear these and so many other calls, you seek with the help of the Lord you seek his grace to renounce your own will and to cleave to his will? Do you pray, help me thy will to do? Thy truth I will pursue. This is one of the lessons, very important, in the school that the Lord leads us in in all of life, but also in famine. The Lord proves, the Lord promises, the Lord prescribes, but the Lord also provides. And We read that in verses 15 and 16. And she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. The Lord provides. The Lord is a providing God. And the Lord, who in His grace has issued His promise and in His grace gives the obedience to His call, that same grace rewards His own work By daily miracles of grace. They did eat many days. And notice congregation how this provision of the Lord was meted out. In daily bite-sized pieces reverently speaking. It wasn't so, children, that this barrel of flour just filled up to the brim in that moment, miraculously. And that this woman had, had uh, supply for a half a year or more. No. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. And what that means is that every day, this woman went to the barrel and went to the oil, the cruise And the Lord had meted out for her exactly what she would need for that day. Not anything more, not anything less. And why did the Lord do this? The Lord did this in order that she would depend on him every day so it is with grace in our hearts, dear believers. Wouldn't you like, and doesn't your heart sometimes, wrongly, desire just this full measure of grace so that you'd never, ever doubt or fear that you would not have enough? That you would go on in life and you would prosper in every way. that You'd be victorious over every enemy and every conflict. And that you'd know that not just by faith, but that you'd have that as it were in your own experience and in your own back pocket, your own resources, so to speak, that you could just take a look at yourself and you'd know I can persevere till the very end. That's what we sinful creatures that we want. But the Lord wants us to live out of his hand in every way, but also spiritually. He, reverently speaking, he wants us to live hand to mouth, hand to mouth. That is to go to him every day with his promise, pleading it, looking to him, And to receive what he gives us for that day. He feeds each hungering soul that for his mercy cries. The Lord loves to hear the cries for mercy. Just like parents. It's not such a good parent who who packs all the cupboards and the shelves and the fridges full. And then goes off and leaves the child to fend for him or herself. That's not a parent. A parent wants to hear the children say, what's for dinner tonight? What are we going to eat just now? Because we want that fellowship, right? We want that communion. And so too the Lord wants His people to depend on Him, to lean on Him. And that's why, dear believer, He often makes your brook run dry or the barrel run out or that you'd cry to Him and look to Him, and depend on Him, and wait upon Him to experience time and time and time again, out of His fullness, have all we received, and grace for grace. In that way, congregation, this needy woman experienced a beautiful way of living, She and her son with Elijah could witness a miracle every day. The Lord was providing in their every need. She could say what the disciples would later on say to the Lord Jesus. When he asked them, when they went on their missionary journeys, he said, lacked you anything? And they said, no. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. People of God. You will lack nothing, ultimately. Oh yes, your brook might run dry. Your barrels might be empty. There might not be any fruit on the vine. And the barns might be empty. And yet the Lord cannot and will not forsake the work which his hand has begun. The Lord would lose more. By not fulfilling his promise. As your day, so shall your strength be. As your day, so shall your strength be. Strength for the day. That's what the Lord has promised. Oh, to lean on him, to go with him. Whatever the Lord has for me, His way I will go. And all congregation, because the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth and He said, My meat, my food, is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish the work. You see, congregation, this miracle that is described for us in this chapter is impossible without God himself in the fullness of time in the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this waste howling wilderness of this world coming into regions of famine of forsakenness of curse of darkness and for him humanly speaking there was no barrel of meal cruse of oil that did not cease He came into places of forsakenness, especially on the cross, where he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he cried, I thirst. None ever thirsted like him. He was under the wrath of God due to your and my sin, dear believer. He suffered death but all to give sinners life. And this is what we see, especially in the last section of this chapter, where we see not only that God proves and that God prescribes and that God promises and that he provides. We also see here, lastly, that the Lord proves himself to be the author of life. And this is what we see especially in the last section of this chapter. Though the widow woman was receiving much from the hand of the Lord day by day, the Lord continued to prove her and proved her in a, a way that would have been to her very devastating. Devastating. Because amidst all the provisions of food and drink and all the blessings associated with the presence of Elijah, one day the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And in that moment when her world comes crashing in, when this child that is hers is no longer in the land of the living. She, in desperation, in great anxiety of soul, great confusion over God's will in her life, she says to the prophet, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? She brings there in in all honesty. She brings the complaint of her heart before the Lord. And notice that Elijah does not upbraid her for her language. The Psalms are filled with many complaints of believers in anguish. As long as you bring it to the Lord. As long as you cry it out before Him. As long as you pour out your heart before the Lord. And what Elijah, on behalf of the Lord, says so generously and so Marvelously is, give me thy son. Give me thy son. Amazing, isn't it? Here's this lifeless child. And the Lord says, give him to me. Give me your impossibility. Give me your huge problem for which there is no human answer. Give it to me. Transfer it from your arms to my arms. And it says here, so interestingly in verse, verse 19, and he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft. The Lord undertakes for her. The Lord takes her impossibility into his own hands. And the Lord does a great wonder. But, parents, are you giving your children to the Lord? Congregation, are you giving your impossibilities over to the Lord? All those things for which there are no answers, no solutions, no hope, even, humanly speaking. Perhaps sons and daughters who have strayed from the truth, who are not physically dead, but spiritually dead. Give them to me. That's what the Lord says. And the Lord does such a wonder through his word and through his servant, through his appointed means of grace, that the woman is brought to say the end of the chapter Now I know. Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. You see, congregation, she goes here from the blessing that she has received. She she goes from the grace that the Lord had apportioned to her day by day. She goes to the place where she stands in awe of God, of His truth, of His Word. Because she realizes that this is the God of life. That He is the living God. That he is the only God. And this is how the Lord leads his people. He makes room for himself in their lives. He governs their providences. He shows himself to be a gracious God. But he does all of this in the school of life, congregation, in order that we would end in him. That we would see more in him. That we would see of a truth that he is God and there is none else. Are you learning this in the school of life? Are you learning this in your providences that God sees fit to bring your way? Are you learning this under the preaching of God's infallible word? Is this the language of your heart by grace this morning? Now I know of a truth, that thou art God and thou art God alone. And come what may, dark days may lie ahead, Empty barrels and dried up brooks might be there. But I know of a truth. This I know. That God is a living God. That God raises from the dead. And that God is the only God. God wills for his people to live in adoration of him and of him alone, no matter what that he would receive all the praise and honor and glory. The congregation, while all this is happen- happening in Zarephath, the nation of Israel is under judgment. And my last word is to you, who know none of the things of which we're speaking. Oh, well, my friend, what a terror. What a grievous situation you are in under curse, under wrath, under just judgment. You likely don't see it. Certainly not in its truth and in its depth. Heaven is closed to you while you live in your sin and you go your own way. My friend, even you here today Without hope, without God in this world, God's word is coming this day. And it's saying to you, there's hope in God for the chief of sinners. But turn then, for why will you die? Turn to this one who is life indeed in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ alone, he is everything. In him, there is hope for the most hopeless one here today. Has your brook run dry? Is earth not yielding for you what it once did, what you long for it to do? God is speaking to you. Hear his word. He's the living God. But don't neglect him, don't turn aside from him, don't perish in unbelief, hear His voice today and come and find a living God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's close with prayer. Gracious, good-doing Lord God of heaven and of earth, thou reveal thyself as the only living God to sinners here this morning. That our hope and our expectation would be in thee. And that thou wilt not forsake the work of thine own hands. Help thy people to live more out of thy hand. To have more of a hand-to-mouth life. That we would feed on thy mercies. That we'd register thy faithfulness. And say with the poet, great is thy faithfulness. All that we've lacked thy hand has provided. But teach us, Lord, teach us to end in thee. Help us to stand in amazement and adoration at who thou art, that thou art the living God for sinners like us. And remember those who have no <clears throat> no place for their souls. We ask Thee that Thy Word would be too powerful for them, that Thou wouldst draw them with cords of loving kindness to Thyself, that Thou wouldst be the after-preacher of Thine own Word, that Thou wouldst implant faith in the heart, and that hearing Thy Word and Thy call, there would be that renouncing of our own will and the submission to Thy will, which alone is good. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen.